Welcome all of you to Sunday service here at Ananda Village, and especially all to our guests and visitors. We're very happy to have you with us today. So I'll be reading from Rays of the One Light by Swami Kriyananda, based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda, and their uh, weekly commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita, showing the underlying unity of these two scriptures, and therefore of many other true scriptures. This is week three. Is God present even there where there is ignorance? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. The Gospel of St. John, chapter 1, makes a reference to the divine light that is obscure to the rational faculty, but that enlightens our higher nature. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Reason recoils from this statement with innumerable questions. What is this darkness? Is it conscious that it should comprehend anything? What sort of light would be capable of shining in darkness without transforming at least that part of the darkness in which it shines into light? Does this light shine only at night? And if so, why only then? (laughs) The solution is that to divine sight, even daylight seems darkness. The sun itself, like the moon which shines only by reflected light from the sun, is but a kind of reflection of the cosmic light, which, being immaterial, is invisible to the eyes, but which is great is the great source of all material reality. In Autobiography of a Yogi, Paramhansa Yogananda describes his youthful visit to Ram Gopal Muzumdar, the sleepless saint, who lived in the vision of that hidden light. Around midnight, Yogananda wrote, Ram Gopal fell into silence, and I lay down on my blankets. Closing my eyes, I saw flashes of lightning. The vast space within me was a chamber of molten light. I opened my eyes and observed the same dazzling radiance. The room became a part of the infinite vault which I beheld within interior vision. Why don't you go to sleep? Sir, how can I sleep in the presence of lightning blazing whether my eyes are shut or open? You are blessed to have this experience. The spiritual radiations are not easily seen. The saint added a few words of affection. This is the light that shineth in darkness. It has been described variously in the great scriptures. In the Bhagavad Gita, in the 11th chapter, the devotee Arjuna is given an experience of the infinite state and exclaims in awe, If there should rise suddenly within the skies sunburst of a thousand suns, flooding earth with beams undreamed of, then might be that Holy One's majesty and radiance dreamed of. Excuse me. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. 
like to begin this morning with a reading from Whispers from Eternity. This is a book of prayers and poems by Paramahansa Yogananda. O Father, I pray that my storm-tossed soul may find the silver lining of thy presence behind the clouds of my indifference. May the moon of thy hope ever gleam upon my heart. Thy inner light slowly rises above the horizon of my mind. Mists of ignorance lift before the moonbeams of thy love. O Father of light, my sorrowing soul beholds, rejoicing thy shores of bliss. This morning's reading about light and darkness is infinitely profound. There's many, many ways of looking at it. But that we see in the world around us darkness, and we see light, we see goodness, we see evil, we know it's there. And within our own selves, we have the same dichotomy, darkness and light, We try to attune to that light. And behind it all is the light that was described in the reading that Parvati just read. The light of God's presence is what's animating all of it. And it's what we're trying to attune ourselves to. There's a cartoon that I love, a a Peanuts cartoon. And um, the first little square, Sally is saying, I hate everyone. I hate the whole world. And Charlie Brown says to her, I thought you had inner peace. And she said, I do have inner peace, but I have outer obnoxiousness. (laughs) And so, (laughs) do we all? (laughs) We have light and we have darkness and it's part of our makeup. And we can see it in ourselves, and we can see it in the world around us. I wanted to share a story, quite an extraordinary story, that very much illustrates this, the darkness and how the light is much more powerful than the darkness. This is a story that was in a book about near-death experiences. A man named Howard Storm had this experience. He was a college professor. As a child, he had been very um, spiritual. He had loved God, he'd loved Jesus. But as he grew up, he became not only an atheist, he became actually, he scoffed at anyone who believed in God. He derided anyone who believed in saints or angels. He thought the whole thing was bunk, and he really dug himself into his materialism. 
Well, he had an experience in Paris in 1985. He, he thought he was shot by a bullet. There was just this extraordinary pain. And what had happened was he had a burst uh, in his uh, abdomen between his stomach and his small intestine. So all the acid from his stomach started to pour into the body cavity. And doctors say you have about five hours to live when that happens. So he was rushed to the emergency room, but they couldn't do surgery on him. So he lay there in extraordinary pain um, and basically was just holding off death because, of course, he didn't believe in anything after death. And he held it off for about 10 hours, even though his doctors back in the United States were amazed he could live that long. And at a certain point, he just said to his wife, I'm just going to die now. He just couldn't hold it off any longer, and he just went, his breath stopped, and he went unconscious. But he was not unconscious. He was fully conscious, standing next to his bed. He felt himself in a state of heightened awareness. He had died, and he was in his astral body, is what had happened. And he heard these people saying to him, come with us now, in a very harsh voice. Come with us now, we're ready for you now. And he said, are you the surgical team? And they didn't answer him. So he thought, well, they must be the surgical team. So he followed after them, and they were very bossy and angry at him and come on come on hurry up and they kept walking and walking he was saying where are we going and got to be very murky and he didn't like it it felt kind of foggy and dark and they kept kind of harassing him and finally he realized they were going into deeper and deeper darkness and it was totally dark and he just stopped he said I'm not going any farther and he said you have to come with us he said no I'm not going any farther and he said then they began to attack him and started clawing at him and ripping out parts of his body. And of course, it was his astral body, but still, the emotion in the astral body, what you experience is not blood and so forth, but, but the emotion of hatred and anger. And he said it was overwhelming, the hatred that was coming at him and just profound. And he heard inside of himself a voice, it sounded like his own voice, saying, Pray to God. Well, his first response was, Well, I don't believe in God. Well, then the voice said again, pray to God. Now, mind you, he was in a pretty dire circumstance, and he wanted to pray to God, so he, he thought, well, I'm not sure if I can, and then it said it one more time, pray to God, and so he said he didn't really remember any prayers. He'd been, you know, such a long time as an atheist, but he started, like, pulling together things, including the Battle Hymn of the Republic, <laughs> the, the Gettysburg Address, the 23rd Psalm, the Lord's Prayer, he sort of kind of started piece, trying to piece something together from all of those things. And so the word God was involved in them. And so as he starts saying them, these people started to get more and more angry at him and threatening him more and more. But he also noticed they were backing away from him. And so he just kept saying God more and more, just sort of throwing it at them. And, they, and finally they just retreated completely. And he was left alone, in utter darkness, just alone. And he reflected on himself. He realized he must have died. And he reflected on his life, and he felt himself to be a complete failure in everything, as a human being, as a father, as a husband, as a teacher, in every aspect. And he felt, well, I've just been flushed down into the cesspool of life, and that's what my life is worth. But into his head came the 
song, you might have heard it as a child, Jesus Loves Me. Very simple song. It came into his head. And he really had nothing else. He just was there. He had nothing else to do. And so he thought, I I really didn't have faith, but I had hope. I hoped that maybe Jesus did love me. (laughs) And so he started to say that and just call to Jesus. And he said he saw a light coming very quickly toward him. That light became a man. And that man, he was just all there, you know, astral entrails kind of lying around and just really awful. And he said that being picked him up, his whole body was was healed instantly. He was picked up and he was held to the breast of Jesus. And he all he could do was just cry and cry and this this being was just patting him on the back just like a loving parent. And then they were starting to go up toward the light and he was saying I think you've made a mistake I really I really don't belong here and this being said to him no we don't make mistakes here and (laughs) and they took him up and he did as you've read in many near-death near-death experiences a life review looking at his life and as probably most of us have read things like this, you know, they weren't at all interested in the many awards he had won, all the achievements in his life. They were interested in his interactions with other people, when he'd been harsh, when he'd been compassionate, and they were showing him all these things. And then they allowed him to ask lots of questions, and he just, he said, I felt like the youngest itty-bitty child in the presence of incredible wisdom. And they were so compassionate to him and so loving. And they said, um, he said, this is, I'm going to stay here. And they said, no, you're going to go back. And, it's, and they told him about what would happen. And um, he did come back. And, of course, in enormous pain. And just as they were rolling him, as he came back, they were rolling him into surgery. And he, apparently he had been, that period of time had been just a few seconds. But all these things had happened to him during that time. And he, after the surgery and his recovery, he became a minister because he obviously believed in God after that point. But it's such a powerful example of the fact that darkness does exist, and yet that light, even the tiniest shred of faith that he had, just from his childhood, it was just a memory, really, within his being of his childhood and his faith in God, was more powerful than this overwhelming force of darkness in his life. And that is the truth. And that, that darkness and that light, that dichotomy and, and our need to reach for light. I mean, he was not an admirable you know, person outwardly, but he was willing to reach for the light. And that willingness to reach for the light is what changed everything. And of course, as Jesus said, we don't make mistakes. They knew that. They knew that he had that ability. And we have that ability. That dark and light is right within our own being. We have the light here, the spiritual eye. And in this light, this is the pole of our body where we know we are one with God. We know it in our being, in our deepest being. Every one of us in this room is one with God right now. We know it. It's at this pole. 
And we have a pole at the base of the spine, the kundalini, that is our commitment to being separate from that light. Our commitment to saying, leave me alone. I just want to worry and think about myself. I want to be selfish. I just want to dig myself deeper into unconsciousness. And it's within us. I was listening to a tape of Masters recently, and I love it. He'll, he says this often. He said, you know, I fight with God all the time. And I suspect that this is one of the things he would fight with God about. If I had the opportunity, I might mention, do you think it was so good to put so much darkness within us at the very base of our spine? Could we try a little, not so much darkness, but it's there. And what our spiritual life is about, meditation, bringing our mind to the spiritual eye, serving others, loving others, being compassionate. It's about coaxing that, that unconsciousness to rise. And the wonderful thing about the system that God has created, whether outwardly or inwardly, is the light will always be victorious. So in ourselves, though it seems like it's taking a long time, that light will be victorious. And we want to attune to that light. We want to reach for it, no matter how we feel. Um, Yogananda wrote something very, very beautiful. He said, Whatever comes, good or bad, all will be turned to good if you see God and refuse to acknowledge the power of evil or trouble. Whatever comes, good or bad, all will be turned to good if you see God and refuse to acknowledge the power of evil or trouble. Doesn't mean we lose our sense of discrimination or that we rush into, like they say, angels, uh, fools rush in where angels fear to tread, where we feel like, oh, there's a person who's extremely negative, and I'm a person who believes in the light. I will just go um, save him, as probably many of us have tried to do, and discovered that uh, people can be stronger in their negativity than you are in your positivity. It doesn't always work. So we have to be aware of our own strength or lack of strength, but always still, no matter whether we enter into the fray or stand back and pray from a distance, we want to be holding on to that connection with that light because that is what is going to transform everything. I had an experience um, in 1972. It was one of my first... Uh, jobs at Ananda up at our meditation retreat. I was working in charge of our um, work exchange program, what we now call the Karma Yoga program. And so I was on the staff for Ananda. I wasn't representing Ananda. And I had a small group of people, and one of them was a young man, I'll call him Joe. And I developed a antipathy. I did not like the guy. I really didn't like him. I didn't know why I didn't like him. And, but it was some, something strong, you know, how they always say you see yourself in others and all that. And I'd go, no, he's not like me at all. <laughs> anyway, but it, it was this very strong thing. And, I, and, and at the same time, I was very conscious of the fact that I was representing Ananda. And it was not okay to 
not be sending out harmonious energy to somebody. You know, you have a responsibility. So I had this, I was, I was very new on the path and very intellectual. And I had this battle going on in my head. You know, oh, I, I just don't like that guy. You can't not like him. You know, and so I um, had all that happening. And finally, I don't know how many days that went on for. It wasn't forever, just a few days. But it was just this... And so the next morning, I went to meditate, and I was so tired of my own brain. I was just, I didn't want to be there at all. It was like, I have done so much thinking, I just want to focus. And I did. And I, I just was like, it was a wonderful meditation. I just completely focused and felt a sense of light here. I don't know if I saw it or not, but I sensed that there was light here. And I felt like it was the lap of God. And I said, God, I'm done with thinking about this at all. I'm going to put the whole thing, all my opinions, all my battles, I'm putting the whole thing in your lap, the lap of light. And finished the meditation, and then the people in Karma Yoga in Work Exchange were coming down to my house for a meeting. And so we had our little meeting, and during the meeting, Joe started to harangue me about something. And I said, why don't you stay afterwards? Now, mind you, I had no, I had put this in God's hands, so I was feeling nothing. And um, everybody left, and we sat there, the two of us, and he began to tell me what he didn't like about me. <laughs> and I listened completely. I heard everything he said. I just received it. It made sense. It all, you know, I, I didn't have any argument with him. I just listened completely. And he knew that I was completely listening to him. And at the end of about 15 minutes, we were the best of friends. He gave me a kimono, a little gift. Um, everything was over. Now, I never, ever could have figured that out in my great mental struggles. But the light can figure these things out. The light can find the solution in the midst of impossibilities. And so this is what we want to attune ourselves to. There's a story that many of us have read. It's in Autobiography of a Yogi in the chapter in the Law of Miracles. Master is sitting, meditating in his meditation room in Gorapar Road, and he's just feeling very connected to God. And then suddenly he finds himself, this was during World War I, he finds himself in a boat in the Navy, um, and the boat has just been hit by a shell, and the, the boat has exploded. And he's dived into the water from the boat and is swimming to shore. And this is all very, very real. It's happening. He's, he's in the water, he's swimming to shore, and as he gets out of the water, he gets hit by a bullet, He's then lying on the sand, feeling the life ebbing from him and realizing he's dying. A completely real experience. And then, next thing he knows, he's back in his home in Gorpar Road. And he's meditating. And he's, he sort of says he's hysterically weeping and touching his body, so glad that he's still alive. And he says, and, then the, and before he can get too excited about that, he's back on the shore, dying again. And he says, okay, God, what's real? Am I meditating in my room or am I here on the shore? And God says, neither, neither. What has all this to do with light? 
It's all light. And I was reading that story during a time when my spiritual life seemed to be going up, down, up, down, up, down. And I said, you know what? It doesn't have to be a dramatic experience of finding yourself dying on a beach. You're finding yourself in a negative (laughs) place where you can't meditate and you're grouchy and so on. It's all the same. So you have days where you feel uplifted and you feel very joyful and you have days where you don't and you don't feel you may feel headachy or crummy in some way. What difference does it make? It's all light. You're just a soul. You're just moving toward the light. And just to keep that with us. I had a very beautiful experience this past Christmas. Um, I'd had a couple of months this is when I was reading that story, a couple of months where um, I seemed to be getting these little things, not anything serious, just little things that made it hard to sit very long for meditation or to concentrate very well. And, and so I went into Christmas kind of feeling like, oh, I was hoping to come into this with a little more preparation. And I went into my meditation saying, with a little bit of embarrassment, I wish I'd been able to prepare better for this master and I got a response, a very, very strong response that was not a personal, it was not personal to me, but it was very important and maybe it can be helpful to you. The response I got was, Anandi, you go up, you go down, you go up, you go down. I am constant. No matter where you are, whether you're up, you're down, I'm here. And you need to know that. And this is true for all of us, whether we call that constancy the light within us, whether we call it the presence of the guru within us, it doesn't matter. It doesn't care if we're having days where we're having trouble focusing in meditation. It doesn't care if we're having great meditations. That commitment, that presence is there for us. And we need to know it. We need to go into our meditation knowing, I know you're here, I just want to touch you. And looking for that light. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek ye first, he didn't say this, but I'm going to say it, Seek ye first the light of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. This is our great, great blessing. And let's... Enjoy it.